millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on Talksport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. And what a show we've got in store. We'll look back, obviously, at England's 151 run defeat in the second test against India at Lords, and we'll hear from both Joe Root and Chris Silverwood. As well as that, we'll discuss how India are reacting to the win with cricket writer Anand Vasu. And we'll look at some of the other big stories in cricket, with both the One Day Cup and the 100 reaching their climax. You're listening to The Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2. Oh, homie, it's been 24 hours, not quite 24 hours, but uh, I don't know. The, it'll take a lot longer than that for the wounds to heal. Um, I guess everyone's still feeling very, very raw after that fifth day at Lords. Yeah, absolutely, man. As it was, it was a capitulation of... I think under pressure, that was the biggest thing for me. I think they just couldn't handle, you know, the, the heat that was in the kitchen. And what I mean by that is the verbal pressure that India put on England when literally England went at Jasper Bumrah. And as I described it on following on. It's like a bully in a schoolyard. England tried to bully Jasper Bumrah, but India went back at England and, you know, the bully got bullied and England backed down. Boy, did they back down. You back down, lay down, and bellies got tickled. Waters came in, and they capitulated for me. You know, you've had time to reflect on on where where it, not so much where it went wrong, but where you you see England at and where they go from here because the same problems have had over the course of the last eighteen months, two years, and beyond is not going away, and we are actually probably at rock bottom. You know, our, our opening batsmen are now breaking records and they're breaking ridiculous records. You know, our first time, two zeros, two ducks in a home test match, 500 non-test matches. Um, it is getting now to a point where I'm not sure even the selectors know where to turn. So for three and a half days, England played the game and they were well in the game and they played some very, very good cricket. But when the pressure was on and the heat was on and the, the intensity that India 
could keep up and keep it going, um, England capitulated. And that worried me more than the actual batting performance because not only have we got three test matches to come here, we've got another five in Australia if they go ahead. And the heat that will be on them will be every bit as hot as what's just happened at Lords on day five. So worrying signs for me. Okay, I just want to ask you a question as a bowler. So rewind however far back you'd like to go. Rewind 20 years or or 15 years, because I was very emotional watching that morning session, um, and I did all my shouting there. And and I'm, I'm going to try and be calm and ask you about putting fielders on the boundary for tail-enders. Because I I believe that it has failed nine times out of ten for the last 15 or 20 years for a number of reasons. Mostly, tail-enders bat far better than they ever used to. The bats are bigger and thicker, and top edges tend to clear the boundary anyway. And thirdly, more than ever, you concede the advantage. You are saying... This is my theory. I'm going to ask you the question. Uh, you are saying we're scared of you and we rate you, even though you average two and nine, respectively. Uh, we're going to put men back because we fear what you're doing and we don't back ourselves to hit the top of off stump. As a bowler, how did you feel? Because when, when, it happened to you. Tailenders got after you, smashed you for a few. Did you want that protection or did you want the captain to continue to back you and and nick the guys off and and you know or, or hit the top of off stump. Yeah, and I, that's what I couldn't understand, Manners. It's you've you've bowled it for at Coley with two slips and a and a gully, and it's not carrying to second slip and carrying anywhere near to gully. And all of a sudden, you've got a guy averaging two, and you've got no catches. You're right. It was it was as if oh we've got to protect the boundary because they're going to long handle it. Hold on, you've got to make, you've got they've got to hit it first. You hit the top of the off. You put six balls first over top of off stump. If he doesn't nick it, you're bowling because that's what his batting average tells you. So you didn't have to bowl bounces. Jasper Bumrah went from, he went from 92 to 93 test match runs in 20 test matches in this innings. And the significance of that is he went past 92 test match wickets. He had more wickets than test match runs in 20 test matches when he walked out to bat. And we have, we have got five, we've got five guys on the boundary thinking he's Viv Richards. I just, uh, that, that for me summed up the way England went about the last four and a half hours, five hours of that test match. Because when Rishabh Pant walked off, Crick Viz said 47% England going to win. And by the time Jasper Bumrah walked off at lunchtime, England were down to 1%. And that for me, that's what you say. You, know, you can't win a test match in an hour, but boy, if you, if you, if you do make the wrong decisions, you can lose it. And England, England lost it there and then. But bowling at a tail end it, it's not rocket science. You know, if he misses it, he misses it. But he's not costing you anything. So have fielders in positions for a catch, a, a good ball. Don't have fielders, five men on the boundary, thinking, oh, he's going to slash one, he's going to top edge one, he's going to do this, that, and the other. Because at the end of the day, your good ball that's going to hit the top of the, the off stump is a good ball. And if he misses it and plays and misses and he constantly plays and misses, well, the game's not going anywhere. You might not get him out, but he's not going anywhere. So you've got to back your skills that you're going to eventually get him out by doing that because his average or their average tells you they're not very good. I don't understand whether it was the red mist that descended on the bowlers and Joe Root was unable to talk sense into them 
Or if Joe Root said, let Jasprit have it and we'll put men on the boundary and they'll make a mistake sooner or later, I would have hoped that one or two of the bowlers would have said, Joe, Joe, hang on a minute. That's crazy. I've got 620-odd wickets. Why don't we just have a put a couple of slips in? I'll hit the top of off stump, bowl him away, swingers. Uh, I, so, uh, anyway, this is what Joe Root said, and to his credit, he did accept responsibility. Even after that first hour, fellow, we were in command of the game, we were in control of things. I think a lot falls on my shoulders. You know, as captain, tactically, I think they've done things slightly differently given the time again. But, you know, I think from a bowling perspective throughout this game, the put everything into it. They performed very well. But for large periods of that second innings, they were outstanding. And it's just disappointing that um, we didn't manage to close out that innings how, how we could have. Um, you know, as I say, tactically, I don't think I dealt with that well enough as, as captain. And you know, off the back of it, put us in a, a difficult position. So, as I said, a, a lot falls on my shoulders in that respect. Well, Joe Root saying he would have done things differently, but um, I don't think that um, that will make a great deal of difference because it needed to happen at the time. So, 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 what was it? Would, did, did the did the bowlers get lose the plot, or, or did Joe Root lose the plot? Or, I mean, he takes responsibility, but surely the bowlers need to say, "Hang on a minute, this, these bounces aren't working." Yeah, he takes responsibility because he's the leader and he's the one that goes with the decision, but. You say you think for yourselves, you have an idea, your plan, what you're trying to do. There's got to be some, and even, even the fielders. England are very, very inexperienced when it comes to the players that are in that squad. You know, there's some experienced players out there, but there's some inexperienced players there as well. There's, and, I, and I hate to say soft because I'm, I'm accusing of somebody just throwing the towel in. I don't think England threw the towel in. But there are players in there who are the experienced ones are questioning what's happening with their players, with their contract. There's three of them that even got test match contracts who have played a lot of cricket. So they'll be questioning, I don't want to rock no boat or anything like that. But there's got to be a senior player stand on there. I must admit, if that was happening during my time, even playing for Durham, and I could see what was going on, I'd be the, I'd be the first person to be shouting from a boundary. What? And I'd be swearing. What are, you do, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? This is madness. And I mean, this is madness. And it was. It just it didn't look as though we had any idea of how we were going to get Jasper Bumrah, Mohamed Shami out. We were hoping they were going to top edge one or play a, just, just smack one straight up in the air. As opposed to, hold on, we've got in a position to win this test match here. We, if we knock these two over by hitting the top of our stump, which we've got 16 wickets already doing, we win because we, we chase 180. On a fourth, on a fifth day, placid pitch, we win. So yes, Joe has to take responsibility, and I and I get that, but I can't blame him. I can't chuck him too far under the bus because there's some experienced bowlers out there. Woods played a lot of cricket. Robinson's played a lot of first class cricket. Jimmy Anderson's played a lot of cricket, but Jimmy didn't get a bowl for an hour, and that for me, I think that was that was a mistake for Joe. Jimmy can Jimmy can make him look foolish just by making him play and miss, play and miss, play and miss. So. I attribute all the blame to the, the bowling and the fielding unit and as a collective unit, because even batters out there that stand on the side, or stand on the boundary, should have been brave enough to go to their captain or one of their bowlers. Hey, what are we doing here? We've got, well, this is not working. This is wrong. We are, we are, we are, we've chose the wrong path to go down. Let's go back to doing things, what we've just done for, for the best part of three and a half days, which has got us in a good position. Well, it was a shambolic batting performance and it's worth uh, reminding 
listeners, um, if in case anybody missed it, what uh, David Bumble Lloyd had to say when he was on Talksport Breakfast this morning. One, two, three. They're just walking wickets. There's yeah. no defence. I could go into this for ages. Look at the way that they stand. I've never ever seen an opening pair stand like that in 57 years. Never ever. And so when you look at the opening pair of India against Jimmy Anderson, the greatest bowler England have ever produced, they find a way to defend and to score. Our top three in this particular match have no intentions of scoring. You can put your fielders anywhere you like. They won't score. You've got to score. You've got to find a way to score, to rotate the strike. And so there'll be a move. There'll be a trigger move here for this next test match. The two of them, I'm absolutely certain, will get jettisoned. Bumble not mincing his words. And just very quickly, Harmy, I don't even know whether you'll have an answer to this. I I don't know whether anybody does, really. Um, Chris Silverwood's got to find one. But where to with the top order? I mean, it's just... You know, do you keep chopping and changing? Um, that's never been the answer before. But there have been 16 noughts um, in the top three, nine of whom, uh, nine of which have come from Sibley and Burns. Yeah, it's. I think it's at a point of. It's you're probably at a point of no return. Yeah, Hamid looked. You've got to be careful with Hamid because he's just come back into the side, but he, you know, he's in his two innings didn't really look as though there was an attacking shot in there. And I think we, England, have got to get back to putting pressure on bowlers at the top of the order because at this minute in time, we're, we're rabbit in headlights. We're just waiting for the inevitable. Joe walking out at 20 for two and, and here we go again sort of thing. And it's you are a better player when you're not in the side. And I get that. And I don't want to shout names from the rooftops to say, ah, oh, bring Lyth back, bring Stoneman back, bring Milan back. What about Libby's doing this and doing that? And, you know, the guys that are there, Sibley and Burns, are the ones that scored the most runs to get in, in first-class cricket to get them into the side. So I'm not going to shout on people that you know, are better because they're not in it. But the, the one I would, if you're going to bring him back, he comes back in at number one or two instead of number three, and that would be Crawley. For the simple fact is, he's asked, he's, mentally, he's probably not in a great space. But if the ball's there to be hit, he'll hit it. And that, for me, is how England get out of this. They get out of not just absorbing balls. And if they're going to be 20 for two, let you know, make sure that you know, if not die in a hole and put pressure on the batting unit. If, if Bubma over pitches or Shami over pitches or bowls a short ball, we're scoring at this minute in time. We're not scoring. We're leaving and we're just getting a bigger and bigger hole. So a, a, slight, a slight tactical change, possibly from somebody who's in the squad, would be Zach Crawley to go and open the baton because I think where Zach Crawley was last week, I actually think Dom Sibley is this week. Time now to get the Indian perspective and I'm delighted once again to be joined by an old friend, Indian cricket writer Anant Vasu. Um, Anant, um, I, <laughs> I'm not going to ask you whether you saw it coming on, on day five, uh, but, but I will ask you an equally difficult question, which is where does that victory rank amongst, amongst all Indian test wins? Well, uh... Given how, given India's victories in the last one year, even just winning at the Gabba in Australia last, it's hard to it's hard to go beyond that. I know there's people that, that are that are going to say this is the greatest win ever and things like that. I will say, however, this is quite a unique win, you know, because I can't remember a time, home or away, where India's won a match that they had literally no business winning till uh, perhaps the you know end of the fourth day. Uh, till in the fifth day even 
And, and it was a match that was won by uh, the batting of two very experienced and confirmed number 11s. Uh, there's, there's no polite way to put this, but uh, there is, it, it's, it's still flabbergasting that uh, Jaspreet Bumrah and Mohamed Shami would actually put together a partnership that would win you a test match. Well, um, this is what KL Rahul had to say uh, about where he ranks uh, this victory. Uh, and, and he obviously says it's one of India's best. I think this win will be right up there for me um, and for the team. I think, like I said, you know, just just coming to England, playing in Lords is always, uh, you know, there's always a hype about it. And there's always, you know, the um, as a team and as individuals, we look forward to it. And, um, you know, especially after what happened in 2018, we lost really badly. Uh, so, uh, you know, we, you know, to come back here and, and win a game is, uh, you know, will obviously go down as one of our best games for me. That's KL Rahul. Um, certainly, uh, it was a very, very fine match for him. Um, and and there are several people that uh, that thought it was a, a poor idea for him to open um, in, in the Test Series. But my goodness me, he's, he's um, done a very, very fine job in the first two Test matches. You mentioned the Gabba there. That partnership for the seventh wicket of 123 between Washington Sundar and Shardul Thakur, that, I mean, they, they can both bat. The un, unbroken 89 between Mahmoud Shami and Jasprit Bumrah is, well, you just said you haven't got the words for it. But, I mean, these, these lower-order big partnerships are, are not something that, that India has been known for over the years. What's changed? Um, I think what changed, especially yesterday, was how England bowled. I don't think this was as much about Shami's batting or Bumrah's batting as it was about how England bowled. The tactics were just unbelievably... Inexplicable. I mean, uh, Mohammad Shami is the kind of guy who's, who likes to throw his bat around. We know this. And if you do that over a period of 150 innings, at one point it's going to be your day for <laughs> half an hour and you're going to score a 50. So that's not so much of a shock to me uh, as much as Bumrah because, you know, Bumrah's batting, he's worked quite hard on it since the uh, last Australian tour. He spent a lot of time in the nets trying to get better as a batsman. But all this has meant is that he doesn't look like a walking wicket. It doesn't mean that he's playing proper cover drives and he's putting away loose balls and he's got the defense to you know, keep out uh, um, swinging, seeming deliveries. None of that. He's not improved that much by any stretch of imagination. But England barely bowled one ball at him that gave him the chance to get himself out, which was the, which is the bizarre part. <laughs> Just, a batsman like him, with, if you have Jimmy Anderson bowling, if you bowled six balls at him, you would not expect him to survive in English conditions. But then you have to give him a chance to edge it or you have to give him a chance to, you know, get bowled through the gate or LBW. If you don't do that, then you can't quite blame him for lasting 50-odd balls. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I wasn't sure what would, would surprise Indian fans more. India winning or the 80-run partnership by, by Shami and uh, by Bumrah. But what about your captain, Virat Kohli? Because I thought the way he, he came onto the field... And he really put pressure on the England batsmen, along with the field, with 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 just just so much intensity, was was typical Virat. Um, and he goes by Clive Lloyd as you know in Test match wins. That's a phenomenal record for for the captain. And 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 yeah, where better to do it than the home of cricket against England? Yeah, actually, watching yesterday's play, the only worry was whether uh, Kohli would get so wound up that he might give himself a stroke or a heart attack or something. <laughs> because the last thing, last thing you need is for Kohli to get amped up because he's switched on all the time. He's always looking for a scrap. And I think that whole passage of play when uh, 
with Jimmy Anderson and exchanges between two teams did wind Kohli up. They have a history that dates back, uh, well, at least seven years. And there's, there's, there's very little love lost. And uh, unlike some other battles where I, I feel there is respect between the two players, I think while Anderson might respect Kohli, the batsman, I don't think uh, I get the sense that Kohli respects Anderson, the cricketer, or Anderson, the, the character. And I think this, this is what just wound Kohli up so much. And yes, if you're going to pull a win out of that situation, you have to keep the pressure on all the time. You have to be, the intensity has to be on. And the other big difference also, I thought, was that India are much better in the field. India haven't really uh, dropped uh, catches in the big moments, whereas England have consistently. And what about Mohammed Shiraj? I love him. I think he's brilliant. He's like a Duracell battery. If he gets to Old Trafford and still bowls the way he does and runs in like that, I tell you what, whoever's his fitness coach, you want to get him into the India team because I think he's an absolute diamond. And the big question from there is, if you go, you're going to have to play two spinners at the Oval and probably at at Manchester, who who misses out? Because this four-pronged pace attack is a fantastic pace attack. We all give different different things. But do you think Ashwin's going to come back in head and leap? But I think he will come in at the overlord at, uh, at Manchester because of them to the last two test matches, the ball will spin. Well, I certainly don't think he's coming in any any sooner than he must because uh, the way this England this Indian team is looking at things, they're very happy with the way the balance of the side is set up at the moment. They don't feel like they're missing a spinner. Even in the second innings, uh, when, when, they, when they looked for spin, Jadeja bowled ahead of Ishant Sharma. Uh, and while Jadeja is, is, is definitely a lesser spinner than Ashwin, if you look at his record over the years, at home and away, he's probably the second most effective spinner overseas. I mean, Nathan Lyons probably the one that's ahead of him. But aside from that, Jadeja is a world-class test spinner. Uh, so India are quite happy with their balance at the moment. I suspect if 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 one fast bowler had to miss out at the moment, it would be Ishan Sharma, though he's the most experienced of the lot because you know Shami and Bumra bring very specific things, and Siraj, as you point out, has just grown uh, dramatically in the last couple of series since he since he made his debut for India. Remember, in Australia, he started as the most inexperienced bowler, and by the last Test match, he was leading the attack with all the injuries and and everything that happened over there. So he's proved that he can he can. Uh, that he belongs at this level. He's proved that he can do two or three different things for you at the end, uh, in the first innings, when he was bowling bouncer after bouncer after bouncer, uh, which, as you know, takes the most out of a fast bowler. He was able to do that and then still immediately come in and bowl full and straight with a new ball, you know, two overs later. So it, it shows that he's, um, while he's very spirited, while he likes to get into the heat of things, he can still keep a cool head internally. He might be going hard at the batsman, but that isn't causing him to spray the ball all over the place. The middle order, obviously Virat Kohli's been averaging 24 in his last 17 or 18 innings, hasn't scored 100 since 2019. Pujara and Rahani, the old war dogs, how about that 100 partnership uh, between them? Because India were 55 for three, you know, never mind the 160 for, for 150 for six. Uh, they were 55 for three, and they added 100 together. Pajara, they're also averaging 25 apiece in the same period that Kohli's averaging 24. That was a huge, huge moment for, the, for both of them, wasn't it? Absolutely, because uh, the, the partnership between the tailenders was an absolute bonus, and it was one thing that uh, no one could have predicted, and it was, it's a 
literally once in a generation type event with those type of batsmen. But with these two struggling, uh, not necessarily so much for form, but with method, Pujara doesn't seem to be able to even put away the loose ball these days. Rahane is permanently under pressure for his place in the side. Even though he's vice captain, he's perhaps more uh, likely to be left out than Pujara is even. So both of them are in, uh, were in very unique situations and they needed that partnership. It, that was a partnership that at least took India towards safety, uh, gave them a, a thought that they could get back into the game. What happened later, you have to say, is a bonus. But what happened in the middle order is something that was very important individually for these batsmen and, and also for the team. Finally, uh, let's hear from Joe Root um, talking about the prickly attitude or atmosphere between the two teams. Fair play to, to Vera and his team. They've, they've jumped on something that's emotionally give, felt like it's given them an edge and something to, to cling on to. I think, like I mentioned earlier, tactically, if you find yourself in a similar situation, would you, would you do things differently? Potentially, yeah. It's, it's important for me to, to look at things um, logically, not get sucked into a sideshow, look at the cricket and, and make sure doing everything we can to, to take those, those last three wickets. And I don't think there's any real hatred there between anyone out there on the field. I think, uh, as I say, I think India as a side grabbed onto something and, and used that in their, to, to their advantage on this occasion. And as far as I'm concerned, I don't think there's any nastiness there or hatred. There's Joe Root denying that uh, there's too much of a rift between England and India. But Anand, I will leave the final word to you because uh, I have to say it looked pretty spicy to me. What did you make of it? Well, I think it's it's very, very dangerously. It's in a very dangerous situation at the moment. You know, when we started off, things were friendly. And while you don't expect things to stay friendly over the course of a five-test series, uh, you, you expect people to have a go at each other. You expect people to lose their shirt at some point or the other. But what you don't want to see is, you know, people celebrating someone else's downfall. What you don't want to see is someone, you know, gloating uh, at someone else's misfortune. And I, I hope we don't get to that stage in this series. There, there, are, there are ways certainly to be aggressive and positive and, and, and attack the opposition, even psychologically, without it, without it becoming so malicious that you lose yourself and you lose your own uh, self of, uh, sense of dignity. Thank you so much uh, indeed to you, Anand. A reminder that the third test match between England and India starts at Headingley next Wednesday. And John Norman, as always, will be providing updates across the TalkSport network. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and Double Ashes winner, Steve Harmison. Still to come, we'll look ahead to the final of the One Day Cup and look at some of the other stories making headlines this week. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with the Institute of Cricket. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me that wasn't an option i never really was a salad guy that's just not who i am but noom worked for me 
Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to the Creek Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed. Let's bring you more reaction now to England's defeat in the second test against India at Lords. Head coach Chris Silverwood has been speaking to TalkSport's Scott Taylor. I think it's a collective. I know Joe took that on himself, obviously, in the interview afterwards, but I think it's a collective as well. I mean, I'm, I'm part of that as well. Um, so it's something that you know, I mean, we've got to look at together. You know, I mean, potentially if we was to do it again, I agree with Joe. We could probably gone back to sort of plan A sooner than we did. But it's, uh, I mean, it's one of those things we have to learn from, without a shadow of a doubt. And obviously, if we we get that time again, as Joe said, we would probably consider doing things slightly differently. Uh, I don't mind the aggressive approach. You know, I mean, but one thing we have to do is become good at sort of removing the tail. But equally, I'd like to give some credit to the Indian batsmen as well. Uh, I thought they, I mean, they handled the situation really well and they gave it, I mean, navigated the way through it and put their team in a really strong position. So, I mean, they have to take some credit for it, but equally we have to look at our tactics as well. Can you or have you offered any sort of advice or input to Joe when the emotions tend to boil over? Yeah, I mean, obviously we've talked about it. Hindsight's a wonderful thing. Yeah. We all sit there and say, right, well, actually, if the aggression had paid off when they blow the tail away, we'd have all been happy and said, right, OK, we've got to form it. It's, you know, I mean, I think what we've got to do is get a fine line between the aggression and going back to plan A, which is top of off. And, you know, I mean, it's and, and making them hit good balls and it's getting that balance right. So it's obviously something that Joe and I will talk about. It's certainly something that if it happened again, I think Joe and I would be I mean, very much on top of that. And just finally on Mark Wood, I know you said you'll give him all the time he needs to, to be fit for Headingley. But given what's happened to Joffre Archer and Ollie Stone and given what's ahead, how important is it to look after one of your very few bowlers who can bowl 93, 94 mile an hour? In one word, very. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's, honestly, it's massively important uh, that we look after Woody, to be honest. Uh, you know, I mean, he is a prize asset. He's, you know, I mean, we've found, we've found ourselves in a position where he's, you know, you lose sort of Archer and Stone. You know, I mean, we've got one guy left now that can bowl that fast. But I mean, that doesn't take away from the quality of the rest of the bowlers we've got in that attack as well. You know I mean? Obviously, you've got Jimmy in there. Uh, you know, I mean, Robbo's coming through and showing how good he is as well. And if you think the guys that we've got behind that in Craig Overton, obviously Saki Mahmood, 
sat in the sidelines. Uh, we, we've got plenty of people that are out there. I mean, Sam Curran for the left-arm option. We saw him grow during the test matches. You know, I mean, from obviously Trent Bridge to where he is now, we've seen his bowling improve. Um, so, I mean, yes, he's the one that can hit 90 mile an hour, but we've got some real quality within the rest of the bowlers that are there as well. So it's, I mean, from a, a seam bowling point of view. That was uh, England head coach Chris Silverwood speaking to Scott Taylor. Let's move on to uh, a change of subject and a much happier subject as well. Glamorgan qualified for the final of the One Day Cup after beating Essex in dramatic style in a high-run chase in Cardiff. And I'm delighted to say that we're joined by uh, Glamorgan's head coach, Dave Harrison. It was a it was a terrific uh, run chase, wasn't it? I mean, it finished off in great style, winning by five wickets. There have been lots of highs for, for Glamorgan this season without quite having something to show for it. I mean, there's been a lot of good, good cricket played. So to have something tangible, to have a final, that must be very satisfying. Yeah, definitely. You're right. I think uh, our four-day form has, has been very good this year, um, getting into the Division 2 block. Um, so that's been really positive. And obviously to get to a final on Thursday is, is huge for the club. Uh, the lads have been fantastic the way they've carried themselves uh, throughout this competition, losing a few players to the 100, a few players who injury, and the guys who've come in and stepped up have, have taken the opportunities. There was a speculation that the, the One Day Cup would be sidelined and that it would lose its luster and uh, with the being played alongside, alongside the 100. But I must say, it, that doesn't seem to have happened. You know, there, it's provided opportunities. There have been over 100 players who've made their list A debuts for the 18 counties. It's been well attended. It's been well supported. There have been lots of good storylines in it. It's just, I mean, it's, it hasn't been affected. It doesn't seem adversely at all by the 100. No, it's been great. It's been a bit of a win-win, I think, um, to be honest. The 100 has been a fantastic concept, and I've, I've really enjoyed watching nearly every 100-ball game, to the frustration of my wife, who was watching cricket all the time on telly. But I think on the flip side of that, it's given you know, players opportunities to, to play list-day cricket, um, guys who probably wouldn't have got a game uh, before the 100 came up, come about. And also, I guess, from a, from a personal point of view, and, and seeing other teams around the country, it's given opportunities for younger coaches to have an opportunity to, to run a team, which has been, from a personal point of view, a, a great experience and something I've really enjoyed. Uh, a different challenge to my normal role as bowling coach and assistant coach, but something I've really embraced and it's been, it's been good fun. And you talk about young players. One player that we've, we've talked about, me and Manners early, we do this show every week, talk about first eight weeks of the season, talked about the young players that are coming through and developing. Young uh, Kieran Carlson, yeah. who captained the team in one-day cricket this year, especially with some you know, senior players in there. How good is that for a young player development? Because he did start the season very, very well. Okay, Kieran's been around for a number of years now. He came into the team a few years ago and got a couple of hundreds. And he's really matured as a, as a person and a player the last sort of 12 months. And he showed some really good leadership qualities along with his batting in the start of the four-day competition. And we felt it was a good time for him to step up and, and be captain and carry those leadership qualities which he's shown in the four-day stuff to, to lead the team. And to be fair, he's been fantastic the way he's led the group, where he speaks to the, to the players and they all follow him. Um, and hopefully his form can now, he's got some runs yesterday, and he's looking forward to the final on Thursday. And what about Joe, what about Joe Cook? What a day he's had. What was it? Five for 61 and then 66 not out. It's not bad in the semi-final, is it? Yeah, it's not a bad day at the office, is it? I mean, yeah, Joe's one of these guys who, who's come into the team, who, you know, had an opportunity to play, and he's been really good with the ball. Normally opens the batting in four-day stuff, but we found him a road in number seven. 
I mean, yeah, yesterday to get five for 60 and to get 70 not out against a good Essex team and the, and the big pressure in the semi-finals, great for him going forward, for his confidence, for his career, you know? I know I might be labouring a point here, but I mean, it, it, it's just been such a, a good tournament that it, it does need to be shown a bit more respect in, in seasons to come. If we have four tournaments, four competitions running in the season, uh, we can't have a situation where the, the quarterfinals and the semifinals are all squished together and, you know, we have a, a Thursday final. Um, I mean, I, I think it's great that, that tickets are on sale for a tenner and the essential workers are going to be allowed in for free. But... Um, it's the first season, and the hundred and um, the and the one day cup, the London uh, has shown itself to be sustainable, and it needs to be shown a bit more respect in the seasons to come, doesn't it? Yeah, I think at the start of the competition, we had a, we had a chat as a group, and we wanted to attack this competition, the same as if it was a T Twenty competition or a championship competition. And the guys have been great. It's been a bit of a whirlwind week uh, with lots of the permutations for us. If we do win. Uh, finished top of our group, you know, to play a home semi final that had to be moved from a Tuesday to a Monday. Uh, to accommodate the Welsh Fire and the 100. But like I, like I said, it's been a fantastic competition. It's given play, players opportunities, coaches opportunities to, to grow their games. And we're all really looking forward to the opportunity Thursday for the whole club to come up and support the boys. That was actually going to be my final point. <laughs> Bowling coach to assistant coach. And now, and now the, the, the main gig. Is, it, uh, is that the way of the future? <laughs> One step at a time, I think, mate. Uh, we'll see. It's, it's, it's been a really good three weeks. I've really enjoyed the opportunity and the challenge that the head coach job has brought. Um, but I think I'll be handing back the reins to Matthew Maynard next week and I can sort of take a bit of a backward step. <laughs> <laughs> very best of luck. Enjoy the day. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, thanks for having me on. Glamorgan One Day head coach Dave Harrison. Right, a couple of minutes left now. Um, as you no doubt have heard, England... Uh, have uh, well, everyone's had their fixtures announced for the T20 World Cup. England start their campaign against the West Indies on the 23rd of October, face Australia on the 30th of October, before facing South Africa on the 6th of November. Abu Dhabi uh, will host uh, the first semi final on the 10th of November, before Dubai will host the second semi on the 11th, the day after, and, and the final on the 14th of November. New Zealand have already named their squad for the tournament. There's no place for Finn Allen. It's surprising at the top of the order. Uh, or all-rounders Colin Monroe or Colin de Grandarm. And no spot for veteran Ross Taylor, either amongst the 15-man squad. It's, it's about as early as I can ever recall um, a, a squad being announced. Um, and this is uh, what Black Caps coach Gary Stead had to say about the omission of Colin Munro. Colin's still available, but for the World Cup only. So he wasn't available for any other tours at all, and we talked through, through that decision. But in the end, we've had a, have had a lot of success, I guess, with, with guys in our squad and T20 team the last six months. And we know Colin's a, a been a fine player and still is a fine player. Um, unfortunately, we, we're, we're taking the, the 15 players that we select, plus Adam Milne, to that, that World Cup. And... And that's the way we've gone down from a selection perspective. Well, I mean, uh, the problem for Gary Sturd, and it's a lovely problem to have, is that New Zealand have more world-class cricketers than they know what to do with, certainly more than they've ever, ever had before. I mean, they were the ultimate uh, couple of superstars and uh, a host of journeymen to make up the numbers. They've been like that since the 1930s. Um, and now suddenly they're, they're leaving out Colin de Grandam and Colin Munro. <laughs> Yeah, especially watching Colin de Grandam in the, for the Southern Braves the other night, and he, he smacked 40 off not very many balls in a pressurised situation. So, you know, New Zealand have 
might, will probably go into what must be going in as one of the favourites. You know, but picture this man as, you know, they've picked a 15-man squad. I'm expecting more players to be announced, or more players than 15 to be allowed because of COVID rules and restrictions and everything goes. So as a New Zealand selection panel, you've got to go and say, right, oh, no, we can now take 19. We've got to, we've got to say four lads, oh, by the way, you weren't playing, but now you're going, just to carry the drinks and potentially just go and sit in a bubble for three or four weeks um, because we're not going to pick you, but... Ah, that's that's an interesting conversation to be had if that comes around. But look, I, I, it's going to be a great tournament. You know, what we've had with 100, we've seen sample size of some of the international players that are on show. Um, England, I think, have got a decent group. I think they've got a good group, got a good start. Um, and I think it, the one that hits the ground running the, the, the fastest will will um, will win because if if I think if you get behind the eight ball early, I think in the pressurised situation, you could be playing catch-up, and that is a hard thing to do, I think, in 2020 cricket. Uh, and 30 seconds left. Um, a couple of weeks ago, or maybe a month ago, when Ashley Giles said that England's players would not be available for the conclusion of the IPL, you and I both looked at each other and raised an eyebrow simultaneously. Um, Synchronised eyebrow raising it was at the time, um, and uh, we said, uh, well, we'll see about that. And, of course, they are available. Now, New Zealand cricket have made no secret of the fact that their players can go and play anywhere because yeah. they earn more money there. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the, um, the advertising board for the, for the IPL, Mr Peterson, he said exactly the same on Twitter. With all these millions of followers, the likes of John Etheridge and I think Richard Gibson and one or two others were quick to put out a tweet the English journalists, England players will not be allowed to go. We'll prioritise England cricket. And Kevin put on in capital letters, watch this space. And uh, yeah, I think he knew exactly what was going on. Look, the, I, the, there's no stopping. There's no stopping these guys playing IPL because of the, the just the amount of money that's involved. And if you're a player, you, you'd want to go and play in it. My argument now is, is the, is the Ashes argument. You know, if you're going to go to the IPL, play a World Test Championship, I'm not sure you can argue and whinge and moan that you're going to be away for four or five months. The IPL is something that you can choose to go or you don't go and you can't have it both ways for me. So now I've changed my tune a little bit because I think if you, if you, if you want to whinge and moan, you're going to be away for four and a half months, then you know, the, the IPL is a window where you can take a break. If you don't take a break... Don't keep your trap shut, get on with life and do your job properly. If you don't want to go away for playing for England, then make yourself unavailable and take the consequences that way. And it's time now for the Breaking Boundaries feature. Thanks to David Smith and the Institute of Cricket. Breaking Boundaries on TalkSport 2 with the Institute of Cricket. For the best chance of making it in professional cricket, you need to train with us. Find out more at instituteofcricket.com. David joins us live now. You look looks like you're... A very, a very attractive uh, cricket ground, uh, David. What's where are you, and what's latest news? I am. I'm at a, a Warwickshire in the 15s game. Warwickshire against London Schools at Shenfield Cricket Club. So yeah, nice to be uh, nice to be out and about watching some cricket. And what we got planned for the, the summer the summer holidays? Have we got anything left that you know the, the kids are really looking forward to in that area? Yeah. So we we've had an exceptionally busy summer you know cricket is as popular as ever and and I'd like to think that the 100 is certainly having an effect 
you know, on the popularity of the sport, we've seen lots and lots of children coming into playing cricket over the summer, which is fantastic. Uh, we've got lots of camps taking place next week uh, in Oxfordshire, Derbyshire and in Warwickshire as well. So, yeah, the, the, the brand is definitely expanding really nicely. You've got Ian Bell coaching with you and, you know, how's that, how's that going down? Because these kids will have, they'll not see much of the Ian Bell elegance of forward defensive of a lovely extra cover drive or the nice square cut when he, he de describes that to these kids when they've been watching 100 and people whacking it out of the park. Now these eight, nine, 10 year olds going, no, nah, we don't do it like that we anymore. We hit it over there. So what's Belly, how's Belly changing to the, 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 the coaching format? Yeah, look, Belly's an absolute legend and a you know massive friend of the of the company. And it's you know coaching has completely changed. Even to when I was playing, if you ever dreamed of getting the reverse sweep out or the scoop, you might be scooped out the net. Um, you know, whereas now it's very much encouraged. You know, the it, it's a three sixty game, isn't it? Now as a batter, you've got to be able to score all round the wicket, and you know the players are watching amazing cricket on the TV every day at the moment, which is uh, which is. You know, the hundreds making a huge difference to that as well. But but yeah, look, Belly's an absolute legend and I don't think it will matter what, what time frame or he uh, he's a great coach and, you know, the kids are really lucky to learn from him. David, good habits as well as bad habits are formed early in life. And, and it's a question that lots of people ask about um, coaching of, of youngsters. And I guess we're talking sort of 13, 14, even earlier, 10, 10 to 13 or 14 um, and they see all these trick shots in the 100 and the blast. Is is there a concern? It's a question that the older generation ask, I know. But is there a concern that classic first-class techniques are compromised early? Look, I, I'm a massive believer in there's, there's fundamentals of the, of the game that need to be, you know, you have to coach them. You have to get those right before you, you then have the, you know, the license almost to go on to the, the deal scoops and the, you know, the reverse hits and all that sort of stuff. You, you, you can't like just go from, you know, you, you have to, if you want to be a proper player, I, I believe personally that you have to have a fundamental technique in order to be able to develop onto those skills. And in, in from, from our coaching perspective, we work with the players to ensure that they've got the basics right first. It, you know, obviously uh, you're not trying to develop robots, but we are looking to get fundamentals right. And then you can move on to the, you know, to the more fancy parts of the game. That That's my belief anyway. I think that, you know, we, we talk a lot about letting players just find their own way. And I do agree with that. But I think at the moment we're, we're in danger of letting players find their own way in the wrong way and forget those, those four-day, you know, test match batting techniques. OK, so what's coming up and where can people find out about it? Yeah, so uh, visit the Institute of Cricket.com, uh, completecricket.co.uk. Uh, we've got plenty of camps all around the Midlands area. And uh, we've got two very busy weeks of, uh, of cricket coming up during the summer holidays. So, yeah, look forward to seeing everybody there. That was the Breaking Boundaries feature, thanks to the Institute of Cricket, the place to train for the best part of making it. Breaking Boundaries on TalkSport 2 with the Institute of Cricket. For the best chance of making it in professional cricket, you need to train with us. Find out more at instituteofcricket.com. Right, three or four minutes to go, Harmy, um, to round up news. But... Um, Top of the pile for me was Sabina Park, where the West Indies beat Pakistan by one wicket. Absolutely sensational. How, was, how good was Kemar Roach? Yeah, Kemar Roach was on, but I couldn't believe what I was watching it sometime. What a catch. What a catch by the Pakistani wicketkeeper. He ran and ran and ran. I thought, there's no way he's catching this. And then he catches it. And I think when he caught that, I thought, that's it. Game over. It's done. 
I was waiting on the Shannon Gabriel to come in and try and swing himself off his feet. I still had that in my mind that it could happen. Um, but Kimo Roach has been a player now for the West Indies. You talk about great cricketers, and you know, he will not go down with in the, in the famous names of the likes of you know, Courtney Walsh, uh, Ambrose, and Malcolm Marshall, and all these guys. But what Kimo Roach has been for West Indies cricket over the last 10 years has been phenomenal with the ball, with you know, with the bat as an example. Um, when Kimar Roach is fit and he's bowling well, he can bowl on any surface and he is a he is a constant threat. He's a menace. Um, and for me, for me, he's a champion cricketer. Um, and to get the West Indies in a position to get over the line and got over the line, oh, it was fantastic. And isn't it great when you see West Indies win? Because their celebrations, the enthusiasm and the bling is just fantastic. Uh, it is great for Test... What a week for Test Match Cricket. People say, oh, Test Match Cricket is dying. Test Match Cricket might be on its last legs. Sorry, after what we've seen at Savannah Park and the and Lords, I think Test Match Cricket's still thriving. You know, the first articles... Uh, I'm a bit of an amateur historian when it comes to cricket. The first articles which cast in doubt the future of Test Cricket were, were penned in 1911. Um, and in the intervening... 110 years uh every two or three years every generation says that test cricket is dying mm. um and it's under pressure there's no doubt about that but uh it's 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 not it's not dying and um, we do need to look after it we do need to cherish it um but you know while the product remains ostensibly as good as it is hopefully it's uh, it's not under pressure but i mean, i thought ian bishop was gonna burst <laughs> On commentary, how good is he, though, Manners, how good is Ian Bishop at calling the, the calling the last shots? He's up there with you know, our very own NASA. Even when Captain Grumpy smiles, he's he, he he finishes a game beautifully. Ian Smith finished the World Cup final beautifully, but how good is Ian Bishop to listen to? You know, I could listen to him all day. You know, fair, fair enough, champion bowler, but I think commentator-wise, he's a brilliant commentator as well. He's just. So in the moment, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, you know, you for, for for four and a half days, you you know, you prepare, you 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 look at your notes and you describe what you see. But in those moments, like the final of the the T Twenty World Cup, um, oh, West yeah. Indies England, uh, Carlos Brathwaite, remember the name. <laughs> he, he's just so in the moment. He's just living it. I mean, he's not looking at notes. Anyway, look, uh, we've got a couple uh, minutes ago. We have to finish where we started, unfortunately. We've had lots of fun in the last hour, it, well, apart from the first uh, five or ten minutes <laughs> looking back at England's <laughs> performance. So I have to ask you, what changes, how many changes? It, it, I think they will make changes. I think they have to make changes. I think the top order has to change again, unfortunately. I would bring Zach Crawley in. and Not that I think... He, he deserves because of weights of runs or anything like that. He hasn't played a red ball innings though. No, he hasn't. But I, I, I want a mind, I want a mind shift change. I want somebody that if, if he goes in, nicks a couple that he's having a big expansive drive. I'm not bothered. I want him to go out and look to hit the ball. I played with one of the greatest opening batsmen that England have produced. And if it wasn't for you know, mental health issues, he would have played over 100 test matches. Arguably, Alistair Cook wouldn't have gotten 12,000 runs because the position wouldn't have came open for such a long time. And Marcus Triscothic, Marcus Triscothic, if you overpitch, he hit you for four. If you're both short, he hit you for four. I'm not sure these two that are in there at this moment in time, if the ball's overpitched, they're looking to score, they're looking to survive. Where Zach Crawley looks to score, 
And I think so that, that at the minute is, is what's got him into trouble. But I'd rather that than just die in a hole. We're dying in a hole. The second new ball came around so quickly in this last game. So for me, I'd go Crawley at the top. I'd be tempted to, to, to leave them both out and bring, bring Hamidi in as an opening batsman. So Crawley and Hamidi is the opening two. And where you go with your number three, I do Pope. not know. Do you go with Pope? I've just watched Pope get out to a Chris, uh, Chris Rushworth, typical Chris Rushworth, at, at the Riverside at Chester Street, semi-final of the Royal London Cup. Ryan, yeah, and and the, and the shot that he got out there with, I'm thinking, does he really want to be playing Test match cricket? And you know, it was a it was a big hands out in front of himself, massive holding gap, ball through the gate. See you later, typical Chris Rushworth. But you know, this kid is this kid's our future. So and he's got a bat three at some point because I think Johnny Besto looked reasonably comfortable at five in the first innings. The balance with no Stokes Butler. Ali, I think that works or is as good as we're going to get. I thought the bowlers were excellent. I really did. I thought Anderson was brilliant. I thought Wood give us an injection. It was a, it was an hour madness that cost us the game for the ball. And Robinson, I thought he did a good job. Mo and Ali kept it contained. So if they're all fit, I'd probably just bring in two, some meter bat three, and 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 Zach Crawley to open a bat. And then if it's not Ollie Pope, do England go back to somebody? If they're going to bring somebody in from the outside, it has to have a lot of first-class experience because nobody's playing red ball cricket at the minute and we need somebody that's going to be experienced enough to come in and just be able to absorb the game and bat properly at number three. Uh, sorry, absorb the pressure, bat properly at number three. Is that David Milan? Is that uh, James Vince? I'd be, I'd be tempted to go down that road. I don't think it's the right answer. And I don't want to say they're better players for not being in the side, but at this minute in time, that, that one, two, three cannot carry on the way it's carried on because we're dying in a hole here and the pressure on Joe Root is enormous. And I think we've got to somehow relieve that by trying to get off to a better start or a faster start. And that would be, that would be the way I would go. I don't think England will do that, though. We haven't paid nearly enough tribute to Joe Root and he's unbeaten 180 in the first innings. Um, he's already... England's top three, isn't he? Top five, um, and perhaps even the greatest in waiting. I think he's the greatest in waiting. Um, I didn't think I'd, I'd see the England's greatest ever batsman because of my time with Kevin Peterson, but I think he's getting close. Um, and I tried, I, tr- I, tr- I tried to justify it the other day on uh, on Crick Info by saying, "Well, Root's the best Englishman I've ever played, ever seen bat." And, <laughs> Kevin Peterson's the best because he's not English, he's South African. But uh, Kev gave me a bit of stick for that. Um, but I was hoping to get away with it, but I can't, I haven't. So I think he is definitely in waiting. Um, and when he finishes, I think he will, his numbers will justify going down for me as the, the greatest, and I would say the greatest multi-form cricketer that we have ever produced. That's the way to do it. We've produced because we didn't produce Kevin Peterson. So I'll get it in that way. you've been listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me Neil Manthorpe and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison if you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up you can download the podcast from the following on feed now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts and we'll be back next week to look ahead to the third test but for now this has been the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2
The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.